Hello, this is the Thinkers 50 podcast and my name's Stuart Craner. Over the years since we started the Thinkers 50 in 2001, we've interviewed and worked with a legion of thinkers and would-be thinkers. One who stands out for his insights and his humility and his legacy of intellectual curiosity and groundbreaking work is C.K. Prahlad. C.K. tops the Thinkers 50 in 2007 and 2009. We continue to remember C.K.'s legacy in our Breakthrough Idea Award, which is named after him. In this 2009 interview, Des Dearlove, my co-founder of the Thinkers 50, starts by asking C.K. what it feels like to be the number one ranked management thinker in the world. C.K., replies with his usual humility and insight. We hope you enjoy the interview. Thank you. Firstly, CK, um, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. Can I begin by asking you what it's like to be the number one management thinker in the world? First, I would say uh, one is happy to be in that slot. If you're going to be in that list, it is better to be number one. But it's a very humbling situation because if you're number one, uh, people think you know the answers to everything. And you must have the humility to say, no, I don't. And uh, therefore, I think I've become a lot more humble and uh, more importantly, a lot more cautious on what you say. And uh, therefore, I would say it has become a burden in a funny way. The new book, um, The New Age of Innovation, in it you talk about a transformation that's going on within industry Mm -hmm. right across the globe. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I think it is based on two very simple principles. One, treat individuals as unique, allow them to create their own personalized experiences. That is the source of value. We just call it N equal to one. Just look at Netflix or Google or Starbucks or iPod. You create your own portfolio of music. That's N equal to one. On the second hand, if you look at Apple, Apple does not produce the content. It does not even produce the device. It it designs it. It does not even produce the device. Uh, Somebody in China makes it. The uh, LCDs come from uh, Japan, semiconductors from Korea, Taiwan, and it is assembled and sent to us here in the US. Actually, if you turn it around, it says proudly designed in California. None of the content is produced by Apple. That means, you're getting a multi-institutional collaboration to create the resources that I uniquely can access. Therefore, we say resources are becoming multi-institutional and therefore R equal to G. N equal to one is a shorthand from one person creating their own personalized experience. R equal to G is a shorthand for saying resources to serve that one person uniquely may have to be accessed from multiple institutions. And that is the whole theory behind the book. It's quite simple. Sometimes N equal to one, R equal to G appears to be very complicated. It's very simple. Think Apple, think Google, it's very easy. At the heart of the last couple of books has been this idea of Mm co-creation. Can you explain what co-creation is? I think co-creation is an important idea. What it says is, We need two joint problem solvers, not one. Typically, firms assume, in other words, we live in a firm-centric world where the firm is the unit of analysis, whether it's innovation, quality, uh, ERP systems. Firm is the center of the universe. What I'm arguing is the firm was the center of the universe in the industrial system. But when you move to the new age, 
the consumers have the opportunity to dialogue and be active. And therefore, they can shape their own personal experiences. So if you can create the systems where the firms and the individuals work together, it is not consumer orientation, it is not customer relationship management, where it's still a firm-centric view of the consumer. I'm saying let us establish a dialogue so the consumer can personalize their own experience and the firm can benefit. And this is becoming much more common and possible today. And therefore, I think the idea is going to take root. Activist consumers, firms that are understanding of the needs of consumers to co-create their own personal experiences. This is going to be the common practice. So what would be an example of that? Let's take Google. And it also is a very interesting example. Everybody Googles now. So if I look at Google, they don't tell me how to use the system. I can personalize my own page. I can create iGoogle. I, I decide what I want. On the other hand, the Google provides a platform. Therefore, Google understands I can have 100 million consumers, but each one can do what they want with my platform. That is extreme case of personalized co-created value. On the other hand, Google does not produce the content at all. The content comes from a large number of people around the world, institutions, individuals, and they aggregate it and make it available to me. And therefore, that is the spirit of uh, co-creation on the new book, which says one consumer co-created experience at a time, even if you have 100 million consumers. And resources are not contained within the firm, but it's accessed from a wide variety of institutions. Therefore, resources are global. What about an organization, a public sector organization, a health service like the National Health Service in, in the UK? How does some of these ideas, the R equals G and the N equals 1, how does that apply to the NHS? Each one of us is unique. We have uh, our own history of good health and bad health problems. So we have the data about me personally. There is nothing that stops uh, the doctors who treat me to take me aside and start discussing the risks and the benefits of following a certain regimen. For example, if people are a little bit obese, to alert them that they are susceptible to type 2 diabetes, that their cardiovascular systems and the blood pressure and all the good things that can happen to you are issues that they have to worry about. That they can do today. That means you and I use the same information, medical records, my testing, and my episodes of illness, and then say to each other, if you follow this regimen, you will keep healthy. That is a co-created regimen. You cannot tell me, take a walk every day, uh, four miles, if I am living uh, near a rundown area. Uh, that may not be uh, very wise. On the other hand, you can make an arrangement for me to go to your gym so I can go and exercise. So I follow this regimen and you keep track of me. Let us assume that I go to the next step. Let us assume I am a heart patient and I have a pacemaker. They can say, all right, these are the bandwidth in which your system must operate and we'll remotely monitor you with your permission. And if something goes wrong, we'll send you a message either through your cell phone or your PC or the regular phone 
or just send somebody to you to say, get to the hospital, we need to treat you, or just relax and take rest for two days. So I can become your personal friend. But in order to do that, the co-creator experience is the first part. So you can create an N equal to one situation quite easily. Health is so important to all of us that it is critical that we get into N equal to one, not treat patients like the assembly line. So what's next for CK? I, I think the essence of the next wave of uh, managing or looking at the institution of the firm, which has been the most dominant social institution in our society, is to say, how do we democratize commerce? Uh, what does it mean? And I think that's an important question for us to ask, because if the last century was about political freedom, this century must be about economic freedom. Now, I recognize political freedom is still work in process. We haven't done it, but the core ideas, the core aspirations are well set around the world. Even people who are living under dictatorial regimes recognize they need to have political freedom. It's a matter of time. But we need to ask the next question, what is the agenda for humanity next? Now, it sounds like a very audacious goal. I don't see it that way. I think if you look at co-creation, it is starting with the idea of how to democratize, how to get a share of voice for the consumers and consumer groups, not in an adversarial way, but in a collaborative way with the firm. And if you look at the bottom of the pyramid, it's said how to make it inclusive thoughtful capitalism, profitable for you, profitable for them, improves their quality of life and certainly makes you uh, richer. So I think if you look at inclusive capitalism, if you look at uh, co-creation and therefore respect for the individual and now the uniqueness and N equal to one, these are all building blocks to think about how we can democratize commerce. And so I don't know when I'll be able to put all the pieces together, but that's the journey in the last three books. That's the hidden journey. Uh, it's no more hidden now that I've told you, but that's what it is. We look forward to continuing the journey with you. CK, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. That was a Thinkers 50 podcast. Thinkers 50 podcasts are produced by KDH Creative.